can bless you, right? Oh, you know, the, the pastor's coming to the house, and he's going to bless the house, right? Or, or he's going to bless my new job or bless my new car. Um, I know, like, a lot of times the Catholic ministries will do, like, a day where you bring your animals in, right? And you get blessed by the priest. Like, the, the priest will bless the animals, right? Or they'll bless the children before you go back to school. And that's wonderful. I have all kinds of blessings, right? I want blessings from everyone around me. But did you know that it's okay to ask God to bless you? I mean, that's like huge because I know a lot of times I've talked to people over the years, and I don't know if this was like a childhood thing from like maybe the 80s where people are always like, oh, I don't pray for myself, but I'll pray for other people, right? It's almost like, like well, if I'm really pious, if I, really, if I just pray for others and not myself, then, then God will bless me. But actually, that's opposite of what God's Bible says. I think what happens is Satan wants us to do the opposite because he knows that it's effective. It's kind of like saying, like, I'm going to walk into my house and I'm going to turn the lights on to my living room, but I'm going to down in the electrical box, I have the breaker off. Well, if I just click this enough times, the light will come on in the living room. Now, tell me this. Does it matter how many times I try to turn on the lights in the living room if the breaker's off in the basement? Is it going to work? What if I really think hard? What if, I, if, what if I just say, oh, house, I built you. I put all this time and energy into you. Please, lights, come on. Are those lights going to come on? Don't I have to go downstairs and turn the breaker on? Right? Haven't you ever done that where you're like, why isn't there electricity? What is the first thing you do? You go down and look at the breaker. Well, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how much you pray for other people. If you don't ask God for what you need, right, it's kind of like having the breaker off. Yep, he can see it. He knows you need help. He's just waiting for you to ask. The Bible is so very clear. You have not because you ask not. See, God is a God. He's a gentleman. And he is waiting for you to ask. Now, you're still, like, some of you are just like, oh, why doesn't he do it, Mary? Why doesn't he know? Okay, let's use another example here that in modern-day America that we understand. Okay. If my neighbor or if I am downtown and I see a young man beating up a woman and I call the cops and I say, and I don't know, this might have recently changed, but I know this is how it used to be. If I call the cops and I said, hey, you need to arrest this guy. He's beating up this woman. It used to be anyhow that if she didn't press charges, they couldn't do anything. They would say like, no, she's got to press charges, Mary. She's got to, she's got to be able to witness and say he beat her up. Well, I want to press charge it. Well, you weren't the one that was affected, right? So it's like that person has to be the one to press charges. And so it's kind of like the same thing with God. It's like even though he sees it, even though he knows, I'm going to unplug this and plug this. Maybe that connection will be a little bit better. You have to be the one to ask God for help. He wants you to ask. Now, when you ask somebody to help you, it's because you believe in that person. You believe that that person has the ability to help. So that's exerting some faith behind that, right? If I have absolutely no faith in my 14-year-old son helping me file the taxes, I'm not going to ask him. I've never asked Wesley to come help me file taxes, right? Because I have absolutely no confidence that he knows what he's doing. Now, if I had a tax question, I might call up my friend Jim 
right, and say, hey, do you have any idea what this is doing, right? Why? Because he's got some experience with that, right? Just like I might ask you to help in the experience that you have. Why? Because I have faith in you. So when you're asking God to help you, you're exhibiting and you're showing him, I know you can help me with this. Why am I saying that? Because we're, today we're going to talk about how to pray for a blessing. It's not how to receive a blessing. It's not how do blessings magically fall from heaven on me. It's how do I pray for a blessing. Because the only way you get blessed is you ask for them. And how do we describe asking God for something? We call it prayer. Right? Because when we, you know, you can ask me for help. But there's no worship, there's no recognition that I'm a deity in that. So we don't call it prayer, we call it talking, right? We call it asking. Now, when I ask God for something, I'm asking him, I'm talking to him. But it's called prayer because I recognize that he's a deity, right? He's God. And there's some worship involved in that and recognizing who he is. We call it prayer. So how do I pray for a blessing? Well, let's start off with Jesus, right? So Jesus came down and, you know, people asked him, how do we pray? What do we do? He tells them. So let's, we're, let's look here in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And they must have been pretty obvious. He must have had his eyes closed. He must have been doing something. The people around him knew he was praying, and they left him alone. But it says, When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So obviously, John must have said, you know, look, prayer is important, and this is how you pray. And, and Jesus' disciples, many of them, had been John's disciples. And when the Messiah came, they then started following Jesus. So they said, hey, he taught us to pray. Why don't you teach us to pray? We see you praying all the time. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. And, and I've preached on this before. You can go back and learn about the whole Our Father prayer and why that's so important. But you're not saying magnificent God in heaven, you're saying, Father, you're saying, you're my intimate, you want to help me. You're starting off by saying, you're my Father, and I need your help. I'm your child. Hallowed be your Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. I love this. Every day, ask for what you need. You need food, ask for food. You need resources, ask for resources, right? Ask him to help you get away from the temptations. Why? Because the temptations are going to come every day, right? Ask him to forgive you every day. Why? Because you're probably going to sin every day, right? Just, you know, acknowledge that you're forgiving those around you. Why? Because they're going to sin against you every day. You can't tell me you can make it through a day where somebody didn't offend you. Somebody didn't step on your toes. Somebody didn't, you know, stab you in the back. Somebody didn't do something made you mad. So you're acknowledging every day I got to forgive them, and every day God's got to forgive me and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, okay, so here's a, a, you know, an outline of prayer there. It says, and then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey has come, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet surely your shameless audacity will surely get, he will get up and give you as much as you need. What is he saying? He's saying, be persistent. 
I think a lot of times Satan convinces us, oh, you asked God once and nothing happened, even though God tells us to be patient, right, and be persistent. How many times? Check one time you talk about those widow woman that goes to an unjust judge, and he said, I'm not helping you. She went back every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. And Jesus said, because the judge got tired of her coming every day, he granted her what she needed, not because he thought she deserved it, but because of the persistence. He said, pray like that. See, we're told to pray and be persistent with our prayers, right? So he's saying, look, if you had to bother your friend in the middle of the night, he's not going to get up because he thinks you're cool. He's going to get up because he's tired of you knocking on his door. So when you pray, pray like that. Don't even worry about whether or not I deserve it or say, just keep asking God, keep asking God. Now, there's, we can go into all details of, like, how do I pray and, you know, what do I do? And we're going to talk a little bit here. We're going to have an example here. But sometimes, you know, I'll talk to people and they'll be like, well, I want to pray, you know, for my, for my child and, and I want them to, you know, have this friend at school and not this friend at school. And I'll remind them. Now, controlling prayers are, is considered witchcraft. Okay, witchcraft is rebellion. Witchcraft is about control, right? We talked about the wolves, the, how, how people come into the flock, and it's wolves and sheep's clothing. And we talked about domesticated dogs. What do they do with the sheep? They control the sheep, right? They'll go and nip at them. They'll go and bark at them. They'll get them to, oh, I don't want the, the sheep here. The, the dogs will control the sheep, right? So we don't want to control somebody else. So, you know, when you're praying for other people, it's always hard, you know, because you're asking God to, like, do something. So I always tell them, you know, pray, Lord, let your will be done in their life with their friends, right? That's better than saying, I don't like this friend and I want this friend, right? Because maybe God sees the big picture and the person you really want them to be with really is worse than the person they're with, right? And maybe God knows that, hey, there's another person that's across the hallway here at school that really they need to be, make friends with them. So you know, when you're praying for other people, it's hard not to pray controlling prayers. I always say, God's not going to help you control somebody else because we all have free will. But God will bring blessing in their life. So a lot of times I'll say, just pray, Lord, bless them with good friendships. You see how that's a different prayer than saying, Lord, let them not be friends with Susie anymore and let them be friends with Cindy. Like that's a very specific controlling prayer. What you want to pray is, Lord, help them have good friends. Draw out anything that's toxic to them just like you would draw poison out of their body. You know, if there's anybody in a relationship with anybody that's not good for them, remove it. I'm not going to name anybody. I'm just going to let God know which one's toxic and which one's not, right? Because maybe they're with somebody that I think is bad, but really it's maybe behind the scenes, it's a good thing. We don't know. So be careful of controlling prayers, but don't be afraid to pray and be persistent, right? Because your timing is not always God's timing. Well, Mary, I've been praying for two years. Well, guess what? Maybe on that third year. You don't know. I mean, Joseph sat in jail for, what, six, seven years, and the next thing you know, he's ruling the whole Egyptian kingdom and was second only to Pharaoh. You know, do you think if he could have had freedom and lived in a little house the rest of his life by himself at year four, he would have rather done that, or would he trusted God and go to year six and be in charge of everything and be able to save his whole family? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes you've got to just trust in God, but you keep praying. You can't tell me that Joseph didn't stop praying because he acknowledged God after six years. So he says, so I say to you, this is verse 9, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. I love the action behind this. They said, Jesus, how do we pray? And he said, ask. 
That's the first part. But then seek out what you're looking for and start knocking on doors. Right? The greatest example of this is, well, I'm looking for a job. Well, don't just sit at home and ask God to give you a job. Seek out what jobs are out there. Well, I could work in the schools. I could work in the hospital. I could work in retail. All right, well, God wants you to have free will. What would you rather do? Well, maybe I hate the sight of blood. Kids drive me crazy. I guess I'll go work in retail. All right, now go knock on those doors in the retail place. Apply, right? I'm going to apply at Myers. I'm going to apply at Walmart. I'm going to apply at the mall. And then now you've asked, you've sought it out, and you've knocked on the doors. Now God will open the one that's best for you, right? And so that's the thing. He's telling you, not only do you pray, but then put some action behind it. I love that. It says, for everyone who asks, receives. Really? I mean, he says everyone. He didn't say, you know, the ones that are holy and have never sinned, receive. He doesn't say that. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. He says, for the one who seeks will find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he goes on and says this profound thing, right? What does one have to do with the other? Let's think about it. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Now, they lived in a culture where these things were all around, and you could just grab it and have it. You know, for us, we're like... I would never hand my son a snake. First of all, I don't even have any snakes. And second of all, I wouldn't grab one, right? But, you know, we have poisonous things and bad things all around us all the time. Like, right, which of you, if your child asked for lunch, would you give him some arsenic, right, or rat poison? I mean, you know, when you think of it that way, you're like, no, I wouldn't do that. That's absolutely ridiculous. Why would I do that? Well, he's saying you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. Remember how he told us to pray? We're addressing our father. So if you as an earthly father would never harm your child when they ask for something, why would your heavenly father do it? He's saying don't doubt that when you ask him for something that he's going to give you something good. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more... Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love this. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. What is he doing here? What's that for? Because when you pray, Jesus said he, he came and he went so he could release his Holy Spirit to us. It's okay to ask him for that Holy Spirit. Lord, I need the Holy Spirit in my life so I can have, as I'm praying, as I'm talking to you, I have your presence in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit's really cool because sometimes he'll put things in your heart and he'll, give you, he'll get you prepared. Many of you know that I drove out west with Marlene, and she stayed in Seattle and visited with her son, and then I came back from out west, and I was by myself a little bit on the trip. And I told you I'd tell you some of my trip stories. Well, what's interesting is because, you know, I've read that scripture. I've asked the Holy Spirit to be in me. When I pray about things, the Holy Spirit's with me, and he says the Holy Spirit will counsel us. He will guide us. And so there's been times where, you know, I'll be praying. Like, I kept praying about our trip out west. Like, Lord, be with us, and you know, not, don't let anything bad happen, and blah, blah, blah. And, and as I'd be praying, I was, I'd get this feeling like, nope, something bad's going to happen. And I'm like, well, should I not go? Nope, nope, you're going to go. Nothing bad's going to happen to you, but you're going to be there for somebody else when something bad happens. 
And I'm just like, all right, you know, so here I am praying. I'm asking God to be with us. I didn't want anything bad to happen, but I feel in my heart the Holy Spirit's putting on my heart something bad's going to happen, but it's not going to be me. And for a while, I, all I kept feeling was something bad was going to happen to the point where I asked my husband, I said, maybe I should get a satellite phone because sometimes when you're out in the mountains and out there, you know, your cell phones don't work. I said, I just have this feeling something bad's going to happen that we're going to need it. I don't know why. And then the more I kept praying about it, the more I just had this peace that, I was going to be okay, but something bad was going to happen to somebody else and that they were going to need me there. So I'm just like, and I, okay, when, where, how do I plan my trip for that, right? You know, and, and then, of course, in the, in the media at that time, all that stuff with Gabby was going on, and I'm like, does it have to do with Gabby? I doubt it. I mean, like, that's just, you know, that's really far-fetched, you know. And so I, um, we got up the one morning. We had just visited the Badlands, and we were supposed to go from the Badlands to Cody, Wyoming, because the next day we were going to go to Yellowstone. And we were pretty close to Mount Rushmore. I was going to see Mount Rushmore on my drive back, but Marlene wasn't going to get a chance to see it. So I said to her that morning, I said, you know, we're only maybe five or six hours from Cody, Wyoming. If you want to get up early, you can go down about an hour and a half down to Mount Rushmore, see Mount Rushmore, and then go from Mount Rushmore over to Cody, Wyoming. She's like, yeah, 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 let's do that. So we got up that morning. We go down to Mount Rushmore. See Mount Rushmore, that's really cool if you've never seen it. There's also um, Crazy Horse and the Native American, the local university. They've got a whole exhibit up there, and that's, that's really cool to hear about the Native Americans and their life there. Um, but we left there at one point, and we started heading over towards Cody, Wyoming. Now, my GPS should have sent me on I-90, or I-80 at least. If you're not familiar, there's just major roads that kind of go through there. It was supposed to be on the freeway. And for whatever reason, the GPS sent us on through a mountain pass. All right? Now, I did the exact same route coming back the following week, and my car did not take me on the mountain pass. The same GPS, the exact same from this place to this place. Instead, it took me on the freeway. But that day, for whatever reason, it said you got to go the freeway or the mountain pass instead of the freeway. So we're, and I didn't know any different because I've never been out there. And so I'm just driving and, and all of a sudden we're going up in this mountain. It was like the Bighorn Mountain from the Rocky Mountains. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is so awesome. And I kept pulling over and taking pictures. And I'm going like, I had the Mustang, so I'm going really fast around these corners and stuff. And Marlene at one point was like, oh, slow down. And I'm like, this is so I'm like, the car is meant to go fast around these corners. I mean, the car was loving it. Like, and then at one point, I'm pulling out my camera. I'm taking pictures as I'm going around the corners. Then she was really freaking out. She's like, put the camera away. So I got pictures of her going, ah, you know. And I'm just like, it's okay, it's okay. And um, I was stopping to take pictures because she didn't like it when I was taking the pictures while I was driving. Understandable. And then after a while, all of a sudden, I was like, no, oh, we better just get going. I'm not going to stop anymore. Totally God thing. And she's yelling at me to slow down. So I'm coming around this really tight corner, and I slowed way down. And as I come around the corner, all of a sudden I hear her say, Deer. We had seen a lot of wildlife. I'm going to tell you a couple wildlife stories in a minute. And so I slow way down. And I didn't even really see the deer. I saw the deer, but you know how like you get hyper-focused sometimes on something else? And all of a sudden it was like I stopped looking at the deer, and all I could see was this guy on a motorcycle coming towards us, right, on the other side of the road. And he stopped because of the deer, and a truck comes around the corner and basically just runs him right over. 
hits the guy on the motorcycle. He had this big, big, heavy-duty luggage on the back. He hits the motorcycle. It totally smashed up the corner of the truck. Knocks the guy down. And so he was facing this way. He knocks him down on his right-hand side. And the truck kind of pushes him and goes up over. His, the tire goes up over the back of the motorcycle and all of his luggage. Totally smashed all the luggage. And it hits him, and it drags him for a while and stops. And I'm just sitting there with my car now stopped, and I just witnessed all of this. And so I throw the car in park. I turn on the hazard lights. I tell Marlene to call 911, and I run up on the scene, and he's just laying there. He just, it reminded me like of a, like a starfish. Like he fell down, and he was just like totally splayed out, and he just was being dragged around. But what was interesting is he had on, I call them Power Ranger suits. You guys remember the Power Rangers? Some of the motorcycle guys, they have these nice, big, thick, padded suits. He had one of those nice, thick, padded suits, but where the truck hit him, it like scraped down all the way down to his bare skin. And so the side that hurt him the worst was where the truck hit him, not even where he hit the ground and was being dragged. So I thought that was interesting. And so he's just laying there, and he's not moving. And so there was a guy in the truck that hit him, and there were some other guys that had stopped. And so there's all these men, and the men are just, like, concerned about the bike, and they're getting all the, the luggage out of the road, and they're making sure the cars can get by. Well, guess what? As a female, as, like, a mom, as, like, a wife of a guy who rides a motorcycle, as, like, a pastor, my concern was the guy that's laying there not moving, Right. So I'm just like sitting next to him in the road and he's not moving and I'm just talking to him. And I just sat with him and I just kept talking to him and just kept, you know, in my head, obviously I'm praying and, and, you know, trying to assess like, is he bleeding anywhere? What's going on? Right. And watching him. Well, it took over an hour before the paramedics got up to this mountain pass. And the whole time I'm just kind of talking to him, keeping everybody calm. Of course, he's not happy that the guy in the truck hit him, right? And the truck and the guy in the truck, thankfully, he was really calm, but just kind of keeping everybody at peace. And um, eventually the paramedics got there. He was able to stand. He was really bruised up on the one side where the truck hit him. And it was getting ready at time for me to leave. And I'm like, it's, I got to go. And all of a sudden he was like, no, wait, you can't leave. Like, I think like all of a sudden it really hit him like, Okay, we're going to leave. Everybody else had left at this point. And so I was able to give him my number. I was able to talk to the insurance agency the next day, a few days for witness about what happened. And I was able to hear how he did in the hospital and all of that. But what really I thought was interesting was God was right. Right? Like I have prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to be with me when I pray. And so when I asked him for me to have a safe trip and have nothing bad happen, the Holy Spirit was like, no, something bad's going to happen. Sometimes we have to use that discernment and that wisdom. Well, does that mean I don't go, right? If I, if I go on this trip, something bad can happen to me. And God was like, no, I'm going to have you. And I had no idea when or where or what, but he had me literally come around the corner and witness this accident. Now, did God cause the accident? No, but God knew that the accident was going to happen. And maybe that man had prayed before he left, like, Lord, always be with me. Make sure there's always somebody there to help me. I'm going on this trip by myself. He had left Florida and for three weeks was just, you know, traveling out west on his motorcycle by himself. But God made sure that somebody was with him in that moment 
to talk to him and keep him at peace. And I made sure all of his stuff was locked up. And I was, you know, sometimes you just have to be a mom. You know, I'm telling the younger guys that were helping him, like, hey, but they, that's valuable. I can see what that is. Let's get this locked up. They only had one suitcase. Still worse. Thank goodness it had a lock on it. But we just don't know how God is going to use us. And it's okay to pray. Like, Lord, use me. You know, like, Lord, show me what am I going to be going into when I do these things. Now, we also prayed some really fun stuff, right? We go into the Badlands the first day, and Marlene was like, I really want to see a bighorn sheep, right? Like, that was her heart's desire. She really wanted to see a bighorn sheep. So we're looking at the map at one point, and I'm like, oh, let's go sit at a picnic table and, and eat our dinner. She's like, let's go to this one. So, okay. We drive over through the park to this particular one, and we pull up, and guess what there are? Two huge bighorn sheep. Like, just huge. I mean, I was surprised by how, I'm like, this is a sheep? Like, we need to change our image of what God's sheep look like. You know, we don't want to be the sheep in the field with all the little fur and the little, oh, they're so cute. And not that we can't be cute. But we want to be bighorn sheep because those bighorn sheep, they were, I mean, I, I guess it's a bad word to say what they were, but they were like huge. They were like, they were muscular. They were strong. They were kind of scary. Like this one lady got out of her car and was like in the parking lot. And she, oh, and she wants to take pictures. And they're like right there by the picnic tables. And I wanted to be like, you're going to get rammed. Like, you're going to get killed. Like, I told Marlene, I said, if that sheep starts charging her, should I drive the car in between them and let it hit the car rather than kill this woman? And Marlene's like, hey, I'm sitting here. You know, like, no, they're going to hit me. And I'm like, well, you got an airbags. You know, we got, like, you know, we're protected in the car. Thankfully, the sheep just, like, looked at the lady and put down and ate and went away. But they were, they were big. They were, like, they were, they were bigger than a grown man. Like, these were big, big sheep, all muscle. Like, you could just see it. And they got these huge horns on, and I was just like, wow. That's what I see God's children as. We're bighorn sheep, man. They're not, like, flock sheep. We're, we're mountain sheep. But. And then, you know, we left Badlands, and I was, like, talking to Todd that night, and I said, we saw all the animals we wanted to see just in the Badlands. We haven't gotten to Yellowstone yet. We got to see antelope. We got to see bison. We got to see all this, you know, these bighorn sheep. I said, the only animal I didn't get to see yet was a grizzly bear. Now, I know you're all thinking, but I wanted to see a grizzly bear. I did. And he's like, I don't want you to see a grizzly bear, right? Because, you know, grizzly bears are not like black bears. Grizzly bears want to eat you. They, they, they are like, oh, it's a human. They don't run that fast. That's an easy dinner. You know, like, they, they want to eat you. And, and I said, don't worry. I don't want a scary grizzly experience. I want an adorable grizzly experience. So that was my prayer. I went to bed praying that night, like, Lord, going to Yellowstone tomorrow. Really would like an adorable grizzly experience. Now you're probably thinking, Mary, how is that possible? Because the only thing that's adorable about a grizzly is a baby grizzly. And if you see a baby grizzly, you got to run because there's a mama grizzly. And the mama grizzly, like, she don't even want to eat you. She wants to kill you because she thinks you're going to hurt her babies. Right? I don't know how. But God does. It's okay to ask for a blessing. It's okay to ask him to be able to have a blessing in your life. Now, we think of blessings only as wealth, don't we? I think of blessings. I mean, if I'm wealthy, I think that's a blessing. 
But blessings are not only wealth. Blessings can be protection. Blessings can be peace. Right? I had peace once I knew you're going to be in a bad situation, but you're going to be okay. Right? So I prayed for a blessing on the trip, and I had peace knowing that I was going to be used by God. But blessings, you can also, when you ask for blessings, they can be joy. So Marlene had joy when she saw that big horn sheep. And I would have joy if I could have an adorable grizzly experience. All right, so we get up that morning. We're right driving into Yellowstone. We're not even to Yellowstone yet. We're a few miles from the entrance. And all of a sudden, I see all these cars parked on the side of the road. And, of course, my first thought after the day before was, oh, gosh, there was an accident again. God, are you going to use this again? Like, you know, it looks like there's a lot of people here. I don't think they need me. You know, normally I don't stop for accidents. I don't really have, like, I mean, I'm not in the medical field, you know, like, I'll pray. Um, and so I look, though, and I see some people getting out of their cars with cameras. And I thought, oh, okay, well, I don't think this is an accident. They're not going to really take pictures of an accident, I would hope. But um, I said maybe it's an animal experience, right? But we could see a ranger was there. He had this ranger hat on. So I'm like, well, there's a ranger here. It must be okay. So we parked our car, and we walk up, and we go up to the lineup of people, Right, and for maybe from me to Todd, probably closer, it was closer to that. There's a bush, and I'm asking people beside me, What are we looking at? And they're like, Look in that bush. So I'm looking in the bush. All of a sudden, I see a grizzly cub, a little baby grizzly cub, and it was like, I don't know what kind of bush it was, but it was eating berries out of this bush. Now, for a split second, I'm like, Oh, and then the next second, I'm like, Oh. I'm like, why are we standing this close? Where is the mama grizzly? Because literally, like, two steps, and she could have us, right? I'm like, this is nuts. Like, I should not have gotten out of my car. And they were like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to worry. They said, about two days ago, the mama grizzly got hit by a car on this road, and they're orphan cubs. And that's why we can get this close. So here's the thing, though. This is what got me. Is there's over 700 grizzlies in Yellowstone National Park. And we come right upon the only two orphan grizzlies in the whole park that they know of right now. And I'm able to witness them and watch them eat. And I have to tell you, it was really adorable. I felt really bad for the grizzlies. But I was like, they hadn't left that area because that's where their mama had last been. But the rangers were there. They knew what was going. Hopefully they have a plan to do something with them. They let nature take its course. They might not make it through the winter. But I was like, oh, they're so adorable. I was able to stand there for, I don't know, probably 10, 15 minutes, take video of these adorable grizzlies. But here's the thing. God cares so much about us that he wants us to ask him for things. One of the other things we did is we asked him for good weather because we had heard about all the wildfires and the smoke. I was like, Lord, just let the wind blow through and blow through this smoke and the storms and let the be clear. So we're in Yellowstone all day. We're taking pictures. We're not thinking anything of it. All of a sudden, we go in over by Old Faithful, go in to pay, and Marlene said something about, wow, beautiful the weather is. And a lady goes, this is the first day all summer this whole season that you can see the clouds, that you can see the sun that you can see out. She goes, this whole area has been covered with wildfire smoke. This is the first day. She goes, it's crazy. I came to work. I could see things. 
And I was like, that's how good our God is. Now you might say, well, Mary, why is he blessing you and not somebody else? Because I believe it. Like I, I truly in my heart believe it. Like that's the big thing about having faith. When I ask him, I'm not hoping, right? Like if I say to my husband, I hope one day I'm asking you, right, for a swimming pool in the backyard. I, I, that's a hope. Like I know that might not happen. But when I look at him and say, honey, I need $100 to go to the grocery store and buy groceries, I have faith in that. Why? Because he, I know that's something I need, that he has it, that he wants me to have it. And see, you need to change your thought when you're praying to God from a hope to a believe. I believe that God wants this for me. He's my father in heaven. He wants me to have joy. He wants me to have peace. I didn't know how God was going to do an adorable grizzly experience. I let him take care of the details. I didn't control him. I didn't say, God, I, I want to be sitting at a picnic bench, and I want a baby grizzly to walk by, and the mother, I can see her way off in the distance. No, I didn't control the whole situation. I didn't tell him exactly how I wanted it. I just said, I want an adorable grizzly experience. You see the difference? Sometimes we get so... We get so demanding and controlling with our prayers that when then we're disappointed, well, it didn't happen exactly the way I wanted it. Well, sometimes it's not going to happen. You don't get to control how it's going to happen. But just ask him and let it be general, all right? Now, I want to end here with this wonderful example. It's in Chronicles. Okay, it's the Old Testament. It's kind of a parallel of First and Second Kings. Um, but they, what they do in a lot of these Old Testament books is they list out the begats. We call them begat. Like, you know, Joseph had this boy, and this boy had this boy, and this boy had this boy. And it starts with some of the begats, okay? So bear with me. All right. We're in Chronicles, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 7. It says, The sons of Halah were Zareth, Zolar, Ethanon, and Kaz who was the father of Anub and Hezobazah and the clans of Harzar and the sons of Haram. Okay? I can't pronounce those names. I mean, if you think you can do better, we'll give you the mic next week. All right. So, so they're talking. If you were to look at my Bible here, this has been going on since chapter 1. In chapter 1, it says Adam. <laughs> then it's Seth. Then it's not, right? So we went from Adam, and then all of a sudden, here now the sons of Noah. Right? That's in chapter 1. Now we're in chapter 4, and we're at uh, Hanah and Helah and all that stuff, okay? So now verse 9 pauses. Whenever they pause, something they've been doing for four chapters, we know it's good. Everybody say, it's going to be good. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Huh. No? been listing all these people and they're going to tell us about some guy that's honorable his mother had named him jabez saying i gave birth to him in pain can you imagine having a kid and the day he's born you're having a bad day and it hurts and you name him ouch can you imagine that you know you got a 30 year old man you say hi my name is ouch Rafke. how are you why are you ouch well my mom said it hurt like a huh when I was born. So I'm ouch. Yeah, this guy has to go his whole life announcing I'm ouch. I'm, I'm, I was birthed in pain. I, you know, I'm going to bring pain wherever I go. Literally, he brings a reminder of pain wherever he goes. 
says, I gave birth to him in pain. His whole life, he could have had an outlook of pessimism. His whole life, he could have had an outlook of pain and suffering. His whole life. Haven't you ever had childhoods like that? You know, like where, you know, mom was a complainer, now you're a complainer. And you chose, you know, and you just walk in. It's called the sins of our fathers passed down to the sons, right? Passed down from mother to daughter. Passed down, you know, called, it's called generational curses. It's called sins, iniquities. A lot of us, we do the, what our parents did. Mama gossiped and I'm a gossip, right? We don't have the name for it, but it's, there it is, right? Mama complained, I complained. I, I think I have this worldview that's negative. So this guy was born and he was raised with this negative worldview. Everywhere you go, you're going to cause pain. And it says it bothered him so much. It says that he cried out to God. It says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me. He didn't want to live life being a pain in the booty for everybody his whole life. No, he says, Lord, that you bless me and enlarge my territory and let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. I don't want to be a pain. I want to be free from pain. And God granted his request. And then it goes on. Caleb, Shula's brother, was the father of Miram, who was the father of Ashtaton. Ashtaton was the father of Beth Rabbah. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on. It just pauses there for a minute to say, this guy was honorable. Why? Because he didn't let his outlook on life and what was put on him in childhood rule his life. He was honorable because he cried out to God and said, bless me and get me out of this pain. So how do you pray for blessings? Number one, right? Recognize. Where do I need blessings? I love how this, this we call this the Jabez prayer. It's, if you Google it, I mean, online, there's been whole sermons and whole, like, books written about this. Literally, these two verses, this pause in here, they break it down, you know. Number one, pray the Lord, bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Number two, enlarge me. Territories and boundaries. Well, what does that mean for us today? Back then, that was wealth. The more property you had, the more you know, crops you could grow, the more sheep you could have. What do you need more of? Do you need more money? Bless me. Enlarge my savings account. Maybe I need a savings account. Maybe I don't have any accounts, right? Enlarge my territories. Enlarge my boundaries. It's okay to ask for that. Did you know that you'll be honorable if you ask God to increase your wealth? want to be honorable in the sight of God, ask him to help you increase your wealth. Isn't that crazy that you can do that? Like some people think like, well, I can't do that, Mary. That's selfish. No. God wants Christians to have wealth. Why? Because Christians are the ones that are helping other people. How do you think that we're able to buy this stuff in the blessing shop and do all this stuff? Because Christians with wealth have given. God wants the Christians with wealth. Right? He wants to bless you. You're his child. Would you ask your father, help me? Figure out a business. Help me figure out some way to get a job. Help me to, you know, he, he knows. He shows you how. It says, may the hand of the Lord be on me. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I think about a blind person. You know, you got somebody that's blind. Don't you put your hand on them and you kind of guide them which way to go? 
You know, when my mother was elderly and needed help, I'd put my hand on her. I'd put my hand under her arm and kind of hold her up when she were to fall. Why do you want God's hand on you? Well, number one, to show me the right way to go. Number two, to hold me up when I fall. Yeah, may the Lord's hand be upon me. How about keep me from evil? Right? We saw in that our father prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Right? There's two different ways evil affects us. Number one, through temptations, but number two, it tries to harm you. You know, don't let the evil harm me. I love how he says that. So that I will be free from pain. What kind of pain do you guys suffer with? Fear? Anxiety? You know, worry? How much of your life is in pain? Don't you want to be free from that? Don't you want to recognize that this, this, isn't, this isn't normal, this isn't how I should outlook things, but this is maybe how my parents did, so this is not what I do. Right? So I need to ask the Lord to free me from that. Free me from that. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Let's pray. Father God, we are requesting blessings from you. We are requesting your hand to be upon us. We are requesting that the Holy Spirit will fill us and show us, guide us, and give us peace. We are requesting that temptations be removed from our lives and that you um, deliver us from the evil one. We are requesting that our lives will be free from pain. And we are requesting this from you because we know you are the only one to be able to help us. We will ask, we will seek out, we will knock on the doors, but we need you to open the right ones. We need you to be the one to protect us and watch over us and to give us blessings and guidance. We're asking for blessings and we're praying because we know that you are God. And we are thanking you for those things. Bless us, Father God. Bless every single person here today. I pray in the name of Jesus that they will look for opportunities to ask you to bless them and that they will recognize it when you do that for them. And for some of the blessings they're asking for, I know it won't happen this week. It might be months or years, depending on what the situation is. But give them all a special, unique little blessing this week as they pray and cry out to you and ask for blessing. And help them, Father God, not to be afraid to be specific, just like we were with praying for good weather or praying to see a certain type of animal. Um, And we just ask you to be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I have to tell you one last thing real quick. When we were there in one of the gift shops, they had this artist. She's out out west. It was real pretty artwork. She had this fox. And I said, i got to get that fox. I have that fox in my living room. Did I see a fox on the trip? Nope. Never saw a fox on the trip. Why did I grab this fox? Well, many years ago, when my oldest two were like, I don't know, maybe... 10 and 8, we were reading a book about prayer and the importance of prayer and how God hears us our prayers. And every night I'd read a chapter of this book. And um, one morning, it was like a Saturday, and this is wintertime. It was like February. It was super cold. That was like when we get those really super cold days. My daughter is in the living room, and she starts yelling and screaming. And I come out, and I'm like, what are you yelling about? And she points, and there's this huge male fox in the middle of our yard. 
not way out in the fields, but in our yard, staring into our living room window. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I ran and grabbed my phone at the time. I took a couple pictures. And she's like, look at the fox, look at the fox. But she kept, what was weird is she kept screaming, God is real, God is real, God hears my prayers. And I'm like, what does that have to do with this fox? But at the time, I was just, oh, the fox, I'm taking a picture of the fox. And he, after a while, he stands up, turns around, he walks to the edge of the property, and hiding in the brush behind our property was this female, his partner. And she started walking with him, and the two of them walked in the field and walked away. And I got pictures of the two of them leaving. And uh, I thought, well, that's weird. So finally, I'm like, okay, Faith, what are you talking about? Why are you keep saying God is real and he hears your prayers? Last night, you read that book about prayer. And I, you know, you're eight. You have a lot of doubts. You're not sure. Just because mom says something's real, you know, you got to figure this out yourself. And she goes, I told God last night, I said, I'm going to pray to you. But do you re- are you really up there? Am I just talking to my head to nobody? And if you're real, then tomorrow let me see some wildlife. A bunny or a fox is what she said. And if you're real, I'll know. And she said, amen. Now, here's the kicker. If I would have known she'd prayed that, if I would have been up there and heard that, I probably would have been like, now, Faith, it's February. It's negative 20. Those animals are hibernating in their things. They're not going to, you know, a bunny's not going to come out when it's this cold. A fox isn't going to come out this cold. But see, that's human. That's, that's human thought. That's not faith. She put it on God. And that fox on that cold, cold day was sitting not way out in the woods looking in, but right in our yard. I mean, you couldn't deny it. That fox was sitting there looking in that window, looking at my daughter Faith. And her screaming and hollering. It didn't get up and move until after I got in a few pictures. And then it finally got up and went. And the two of them walked away. That was God answering her prayer. She was specific and she asked him. So now we have this picture of this fox sitting in our living room. And it's a reminder to my children and to me, God hears your prayers. That's a, what we call a memorial stone. In the Old Testament, when things, miracles would happen, God would come through. They would pile up some stones, and that would be a memorial stone. They would tell that story whenever you'd see those stones to the next generations. So that fox is now in our living room, and it's a memorial stone to remember that God hears our prayers. And God hears your prayers. So I don't know what specifically is going to happen in your life in the next few weeks, but I know God's going to do something. And you're going to have, don't let it just go to the wayside. Make a memorial stone, right? Grab a piece of paper, just write the date down and post it on your fridge. And when somebody comes in and say, oh, what happened on, you know, October 21st? That's when God reminded me he hears my prayers. That's when God blessed me. That's when God whatever, right? All right. You guys have a wonderful week. And don't forget the blessing shop is open. And if you haven't put your name in yet for the Bible drawing, please do so. God bless everyone.